For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to your Monday edition of Over the Line. December 17th, 2018. I can never get that first hey now right. It's always way too loud every single time. But welcome to the show. So glad to be back. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a rough couple weeks. I'm still sick. Can y'all believe that? I was sick last week. Missed a couple episodes because of it. And I thought I got rid of it over the weekend. And then yesterday I realized I'm not quite past it. It's still hanging around. And I don't know what to do to get rid of it. I mean, y'all have been giving me suggestions and stuff, but I just, I can't kick it. I can't kick it. Anyway, uh, first off, 646-668-2714 is the number. Second of all, overthelineshow.com is the website. We are uh, continuing to build up on that thing, and we'll have some cool stuff up there for you soon on social media at Andrew McLean, who. And on the Facebooks over the line, uh, you should be able to find us there. So, with that said, let's get rolling. It's been an interesting weekend. Uh, first off, we can never get away from the immigration conversation because it's um, it's boiling over, and it's been a, a long time coming. We're get we're at a point uh, in in Donald Trump's presidency where we've got to have a border wall. 
And these are all the reasons that uh, this this keeps coming up and everybody's being forced to talk about this issue. We're at a point where he's got to to have a border wall or during election time in 2020, uh, you know, a little over a year from now. He's got to be on the way. We've got to have funding secured for the wall. Otherwise, it it truly diminishes Donald Trump's reelection chances. Simply because it was a, a, a big campaign promise. The, the biggest campaign promise. Donald Trump has no choice but to build a border wall. And, and there's... There's no in-between. There's no compromise that can be had. Nothing. It, it, there's got to be a wall. Whether people think Mexico pays for it or whatever the case is. There's got to be a wall. No matter what, there's got to be a wall. So that's why the urgency and that's why the conversation is is so heated. You, you had the political caravan, which is what we should call it, because it was purely political. There was nothing grassroots or organic about it that made their way up here right during a midterm election and caused a bunch of chaos, uh, had a standoff with Border Patrol agents, which had journalists, quote-unquote, foaming at the mouth, excited that uh, migrants were being hit with tear gas because those are pictures and images that they can then share with the world and talk about how horrible their country is and they can't believe that that their country's turned into this, where we're tear-gassing women and children, then you've got the battle on Capitol Hill. What we saw last week with Pelosi and Schumer and Trump in the White House and that whole thing. Uh, Schumer's been making the rounds on on, uh, national media, within the mainstream media, saying that he will not compromise with Donald Trump. There's not going to be a wall, so on and so forth. And then you had the story of a migrant child, a little girl, who uh, came across the border with her dad via human smugglers who passed away from what people seem to think was dehydration. And we're still waiting on the autopsy uh, for this poor little girl, but once that comes out, we'll have a better idea. That story, the timeline of that story has dramatically changed from start to finish. Because we got word, everybody automatically assumes that it's the fault of the Border Patrol agents, thus the fault of Donald Trump, because he directed the Border Patrol agents to conduct themselves in ways that are going to kill migrants, so on and so forth. You've got representatives on TV that are... Saying that the Trump administration is literally murdering children, and that's not an exaggeration. I was watching Lawrence O'Donnell over the weekend, and he had a a lady on by the name of, let me see if I can find her name, I can't even remember now. Her name's Norma Torres, okay? Now, Norma Torres is is the representative for California's 35th District. So Norma Torres is in the House of Representatives. She goes on Lawrence, and and she literally accuses the current administration of murdering migrant children. And, of course, Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC, he loves it. He's eating it up. He's like, yes, yes, they murder children. We knew it all along. That 
is dangerous and irresponsible. To get out of there and accuse an administration of murdering children. Because these same people will lose their mind if anybody dares bring up Pizzagate. Or dare brings up anything to do with Podesta's emails. Which are very suspicious in the first place. They'll lose their mind if you bring that up and call you a crazy right-wing conspiracy nut. But yet they can get out here and say that the current administration is murdering migrant children. But outside of that, because we would expect no less from people such as Norma Torres and Lawrence O'Donnell, the timeline of who is directly involved in this case, the father in particular, has dramatically changed from start to finish. Here is how it started. The dad of this uh, this migrant girl comes out and he confirms the timeline that uh, the the Department of Homeland Security and the Border Patrol agents, he, he confirmed the timeline that they initially laid out. They said, here's what happened. Uh, she didn't really show any signs of distress. And then by the time we realized there was some distress, we did everything we could. And the dad's like, yeah, that's right. The Border Patrol agents, they they did everything they could. He said, quote, I had no complaints about how Border Patrol agents treated me and my daughter. I'm trying to find some of his other quotes. Uh, but he issued a statement on Saturday and said he was grateful for the many first responders that tried to save his young daughter's life in New Mexico and Texas after they had crossed the border. So you think, okay, well, you know, this is not the story that the mainstream media wants because they want to, they they wanted to hear that the the border patrol agents, you know, bludgeoned this poor child to death and and beat her over the head with nightsticks and and just murdered her in cold blood that's what they want that's that's truly what they want much like they want uh, uh black men murdered in the street by police officers but that's a that's another issue then we find out that this father has hired lawyers and claims his daughter was not dehydrated he said uh, he hired a pair of attorneys and is now challenging the Department of Homeland Security's claim of how his daughter died. This guy releases a statement through his attorneys saying that he and his daughter, who Border Patrol agent says died of prolonged hunger and dehydration, uh, he says he and his daughter were properly fed and that they had not spent days in the desert before declaring their intent to seek asylum at an unofficial, I'm sorry, an official border crossing in New Mexico last week. He said, the, the attorney says that Jacqueline, the daughter, had not been crossing the desert for days. Jacqueline's father took care of Jacqueline made sure she was fed and had sufficient water, sought asylum from the Border Patrol as soon as they crossed the border. 
So these lawyers have reportedly issued a threat to the Department of Homeland Security warning spokespeople for the agency to cease further speculation about her cause of death because making premature and inaccurate statements undermined the integrity of the investigation. So you see, these, these two lawyers have been hired, and they are immediately going after Homeland Security. Uh, a, a non-profit organization called uh, something I can't pronounce, uh, which is reportedly housing Jacqueline's father, they released the same statement to the media on Saturday evening. Uh, they said that Jacqueline and her father traveled most of the way from Guatemala by bus and that they had been dropped off only ninety uh, off only a ninety minute walk from the United States. Now, the new claims fly in the face of uh, this report that was issued by the Washington Post, uh, which is hardly an outlet that openly supports the Trump administration's immigration, anti-immigration efforts, as you know. Uh, This report says Jacqueline's father attested that his daughter was in good physical condition upon uh, uh, contacting Customs and Border Patrol, but that the girl began vomiting and convulsing while being transported from the border to a Border Patrol facility 90 minutes away. Once the transport reached its destination, emergency responders attended to Jacqueline and got her airlifted to Children's Hospital in El Paso, Texas, where she later died of cardiac arrest. She spent a total of about eight hours in Border Patrol custody. So as we wait on an autopsy, we can already see this thing coming together. Now, we have to assume that uh, a father from Guatemala who has made a trek all the way from Guatemala to the U.S. with nothing, just looking for a better life, doesn't necessarily have the spare cash on him to hire a couple of attorneys, much less one attorney. But he has done so. Why? Well, you can guarantee yourself that there are some groups activist groups that saw this situation and instead of uh, doing it out of compassion for a grieving father who's just lost his child they do it out of a opportunistic reasoning to take it to the Trump administration they see an opportunity to take the death of this little girl, completely politicize it, and attack the Trump administration with it. So they've taken up this case, or they've used their funds to pay for these attorneys, gone to the dad, who really sided with Border Patrol agents initially, and now has said, well, you know, we might have a problem. We're going to have to get attorneys involved in this because we don't know that... uh, what the Border Patrol agents are saying are actually true. So this will turn into a big fiasco, a a, a tragedy that will be politicized until the cows come home, as Democrats are notorious for doing. Dead children, 
um, people that have died in mass shootings, whatever the case is. If there's a if there's a dead person to be taken advantage of, the Democrats are all over it. And this will be no different. So they'll get on top of that, and that'll be um, that'll be harped on for a while, and the blame will uh, they will attempt to place that blame on Donald Trump, on the Trump administration. And we will, in fact, see where it goes. But this cannot deter the battle for the border wall. Because, again, there is no room to not get a border wall. Uh, another thing that uh, the people that are up in arms about this, this poor little girl that lost her life... Another issue they're not talking about is is the dangerous track that these people are on, that they're dragging children through to go from Guatemala to the U.S. or El Salvador or wherever. The dangerous, because they only concentrate on the children and the parents. They don't they don't concentrate on the majority of the migrants, which are young males that are coming by themselves. But nonetheless, they, they don't concentrate on this aspect of the parents and the children coming across, and that is how dangerous it is and how indebted they are and their families are to human traffickers. The media goes down to this uh, small village in Guatemala to talk to the family of this little girl who passed away. They talk to the grandfather, and the grandfather says... We are uh, we are indebted to human smugglers right now. Even though our uh, our little girl didn't make it make it out of make it out alive, make it into the U.S. alive, we are still responsible and indebted to these human smugglers. And human smugglers are notoriously bad people. And what do bad people do when you owe them money and you don't pay them? It doesn't turn out good. The grandfather said that the family owed money to the coyotes or human smugglers who are capable of taking all the family's possessions. He said, quote, if they let him work, the girl won't come back, but at least the debt can be paid. So now you've got another sad situation where this poor family who doesn't have anything obviously that's why uh the dad and this little girl made the trek to america are indebted to these coyotes these human smugglers who will then take everything they own if they cannot provide the money to pay them for what they did which was get them to america now this does fly in the face of the fact that the attorneys for the dad and the daughter say they just took a bus all the way to the U.S. But whatever. Those are just minor details. Nobody really cares about that. But that's the story. That's the timeline. That will continue to transpire, continue to change, I'm sure. And there will be more to talk about on that front something else that uh, the mainstream media and the people that are politicizing the death of this poor girl are not talking about is um this past thursday 
Border Patrol agents arrested three sex offenders in a single day crossing the border. Not that they only arrested three people crossing a border, the border. It was just three of, of the, the numerous people that they arrested for illegally crossing were sex offenders. Now, would the argument from the left continue to be, well, we've got sex offenders in this country, so who are we to say that they can't bring their sex offenders here? I don't know why I'm making fun of that. They probably would say that. Sex offenders, I have to imagine we all collectively agree sex offenders are the worst kind of criminals. Especially when they target children. So to even allow one into this country, I can't imagine that there is any sort of reward on the other side of that that people could logically logically come up with and say that that, that that's okay. It's it's okay. We'll just we'll just deal with a few more sex offenders. If it means women and children getting into this country for a better life, we'll take a few more sex offenders. Until it happens to you, until it happens to your kids, until it happens to your family, until one of your family members gets killed by an illegal immigrant, gets murdered by an illegal immigrant, gets gets hit head on by a drunk driver that happens to be illegal, has no insurance, and no driver's license. It's cool till it happens to you. Unfortunately, that's not the way they think. And hopefully, they never are put in that position where they have to think that way. Where they have to come to that realization that it can happen to them and it has happened to them. I hope it doesn't. But these days, in 2018, it almost seems like that is the only thing that would open the eyes of some people. And that's sad. It's sad that it would take a travesty like that to cause them to care about the safety of others. That would cause them to actually consider whether or not the other people inhabiting this country are worth the safety They don't think that way. And they won't think that way. Maybe one day. As long as they continue to listen to these politicians who preach this unrealistic, unattainable utopia that they claim is going to be best for this country... They'll never get to that point. But why not just hold out hope? 646-668-2714. 646-668-2714 is the number. Also, over the line show 
Facebook.com, the line on Facebook as well. Uh, over the line on Facebook as well. Sorry, I'm doing like 100 things here, so I'm just trying to throw stuff out there at you. We'll go ahead and take a quick break, come back on the other side, keep this thing rolling. Monday edition, over the line, the podcast. Y'all hang tight. what is best in us to elect Hillary Clinton as the next president of the United States and show the world we still believe. The feds close in on my house tonight, not an email to be seen. A kingdom of corruption and it looks like I'm the queen. The lies keep building from this dishonesty inside Couldn't keep it in, the media is paid to lie Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the devil you always have to be Conceal and steal, don't let them know Well now they know let it go, let it go, can't blame Russia anymore, let it go, let it go, gonna make World War Four. I don't care what the facts may say, yes I've had people kill, prison never bothered me anyway. Pay-to-play donations Makes everyone my pawn Constitutional laws and control me Can't get to me at all It's time to see what I can do I'll be like Hitler and show you No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free, yeah let it burn, let it burn I start the fire and then go hide Let it burn, let it burn 
You can't imagine how much I've lied So here I stand And here I'll stay Let the darn old rage on With you over the line, the podcast over the line show.com 646-668-2714. We'll get you in on the show if you want to give us a ring. That's the way to do it. Also, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter's you know what was crazy is I had uh. I tweeted that thing about the representative Torres, Norma Torres, and I started getting a lot of people tweeting back to me in Spanish. Even started getting some emails from people. I mean, luckily, these platforms allow you to translate any sort of Spanish tweet or Spanish email into English, but I'm like, man, we may bring some some Spanish people into this uh Spanish-speaking people into this podcast. Who knows? All right. Moving on. Outside of uh, the immigration stuff, we've got the mainstream media who... Are, it's so crazy. Because these guys, it's it's the same old thing over and over. It's got to be exhausting for them. But they, as you know, are consumed with impeaching the president so they're consumed with talking about impeaching the president because they have not yet been able to obtain that so they talk about it over and over and they've only got so many reasons at least in their mind that they can impeach the president so they have to recycle these reasons they have to take one quote-unquote scandal and then move on to the next one, and then on to the next one, and then on to the next one. And then they realize they're out of scandal, so they have to go back to the first scandal. And being the environmentalists they are, they continue to recycle these. So now they're back on campaign finance laws. Violations that really have never amounted to anything other than a fine, a civil case. But all of a sudden now... They're grounds for impeachment, according to these people. This all comes at the same time that the, the Democrats are getting ready to take over the House at the beginning of next year. And they're being asked by the media what their plans are, what their agenda is going to be. And of course, knowing the Democrats like we do, they have no substance. They have no 
no uh, policy ideas or, or anything other than impeaching the president. So that's all they've been talking about when asked. What are you going to do when you guys take over the House? Well, uh, we're going to start st investigating and sending out subpoenas, and, and we're going we're gonna to rethink uh, uh, if a president can be indicted. Adam Schiff literally said that the other day, that we need to look over and reconsider uh, whether or not a president, a sitting president, can be indicted. That's where we're at. We've got politicians that have nothing on the president that are ready to indict him, which is not a thing. It's not even legal to indict a president. They want to just change the rules. I tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, if they go and change these rules, we conservatives will go through and elect every single bulldog for every single office we can and we will impeach every single Democrat president to ever take office in the future. We'll indict every single one of them. I hope every position is filled by a Donald Trump or a, or a Trey Gowdy. And just from then on, you guys want the office? Get it. We'll see how long it lasts because we're going to indict you. You made the rules. You changed the rules to where a sitting president can be indicted. So you got what you wanted. Let's go. Let's go. Listen to, uh, uh, what's his name? Elijah Cummings is on with Jake Tapper over the weekend. And he is talking this mess as well. Jake Tapper is asking what, what they're going to do when they take over the House and what they're going to do on their committees. And he's like, well, you know, uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be, uh, looking for indictments we're going to be investigating people we're, we're going to get to the bottom of all this scandal what a bunch of it listen to this right here it's it's absolutely insane that this is the way these people think it's it's all they think about all they think about Let's see if i can get you some volume here his attorney michael cohen who's now going to prison uh to make illegal hush money payments involving these two women that alleged affairs with the president. Your fellow uh, Democrat, soon to be Chairman Adam Schiff, says that the Justice Department should reconsider those guidelines that exist that say that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Do you agree? Should the DOJ reconsider those guidelines? I think we, we should always reconsider uh, laws and regulations. This is one we definitely should reconsider. But let me say this too. Uh, I'm hope We should always reconsider laws and regulations. Like, um... Is murder illegal? I mean, we should reconsider it, right? That's what Elijah Cummings says. That Mr. Cohen will come before the Congress where he can tell the, the, the American public exactly uh, what he has been saying to Mueller and others without interfering with the Mueller investigation. I think the American people uh, just voted for transparency and integrity in our hearings. They want to hear from him. And I certainly would like to see him come in the month of January to to uh, before the Congress. And so that the people's representatives will have an opportunity to. Ask now, Elijah Cummings is a guy who was prominent during the civil rights era, uh, marched alongside MLK and, and as well as was involved in plenty of other things. Uh, very well known from the civil rights era. I can't imagine what some of those civil rights pioneers think 
the ones who fought so hard to change obvious uh, degrading and unfair laws that we had in this country, that we had here in the South, to have those changed so everyone would be treated equally, especially under the eyes of the law, I wonder what those people who are no longer with us would think of people like Elijah Cummings trying to go backwards. To go backwards on that mission. To say, no, everyone shouldn't be treated equally under the law. This president is, uh, he's not like us. He's, he's, uh, he doesn't deserve the same treatment the rest of us deserve. So we have to take him down because of who he is. Because we don't like him. We don't like who he is, so we're going to take him down. Isn't that the same as saying we're going to arrest these people because we're black and or because they're black and, and we don't like them? We don't like them for who they are? He's doing the exact opposite of what he allegedly stood up for during the Civil Rights era. What would they say today if they could see this? If they could see the justice system being perverted once again after they fought so hard, fought and died to straighten out the justice system, to make justice equal for all, only to several decades later, pervert it yet again and take us backwards to where we once were. Some questions. I, I really You're think this, Yeah, I, he can come in any committee he wants to come to. But I would, it would be nice if he came be, before our committee. But the fact is, is that I think this is a watershed moment, uh, Jake. Um, remember uh, John Dean with regard to the Nixon tapes and the testimony that he provided. Um, he changed the course of America. A lot of people said that, you know, he would not uh, call him a liar and everything else. But the fact is, is that he came forward. And I think uh, surely uh, Mr. Cohen should come forward and let us know what he has on his mind. Are you, you think of the watershed moment, moment is him going to prison, including for crimes in, about uh, hush money payments to these women? I think that is also, I think the watershed moment will be him coming. First of all, that, that's already a major problem from him, for him and for the president. But I think the public needs to know exactly what happened. And I think that he can shed that light on it. Uh, you told CNN earlier this week that you think President Trump directing Cohen to make those illegal payments could probably, probably in your words, be an impeachable offense. Does that mean that you think the House should move forward with uh, articles of impeachment against the president for these? I think, I think that we must. Our major thing right now is to let Mr. Mueller, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, do his job. Let him complete his job. Then let then we take a look at what he says and then go from there. But I think it's actually premature to, uh, right now to do that. But the evidence is certainly piling up. Uh, and I think the president knows that. On top of all these on ongoing investigations, uh, the Wall Street Journal broke a story this last week that President Trump's inaugural committee is also under criminal investigation in New York for protection. And then they go into this whole thing. And this is another aspect of recycling an old story to try and find grounds of impeachment. 
or grounds to be indicted at this point. But they just go on and on and on about this. And the comparisons to Nixon are so tiring. So tiring. And the reasons they do those Nixon comparisons are only for themselves. To make themselves feel better. Because there are days where they look in the mirror and they say, it's never going to happen. We're never going to be able to impeach this president. We have nothing on him. And we go day after day after day finding nothing on this president. It's not going to be possible. But wait. It's happened before. It happened with Nixon. So it is possible. So let's just rehash all the Nixon stuff to make ourselves feel better. That's exactly what they're doing. They're they're using the Nixon scenario to justify why this is possible. Not for you, not for their audience, not for anybody but themselves. Because they are being beat down by the day. Every day that passes, every day that they have to scrounge for for some sort of uh, documents or, or, or Cohen pleas or, or whatever, every day that they have to scrounge for that so they can have something to try to twist and manipulate to turn into Donald Trump should be impeached, it wears them down because they realize they're getting absolutely nowhere with it. Now, do they believe in their hearts that Donald Trump has done something egregious enough to deserve to be impeached? I think so. I think some of them truly believe it. I don't know that a majority of them believe that there was Russian collusion. I think most of them know that that is just a cloud to hang over Trump and the Republican Party. But I do think that they truly believe that there is something out there that they are not aware of just yet. There's something out there for them to get a hold of and then impeach this president. Because if they can find that, they have the upper hand. They obviously have the upper hand in the House, but it's very possible they have the upper hand in the Senate as well. Because of weak-kneed Republicans. They know if it's egregious enough, if it's, a, if it's a, a deed that is so dastardly that they can convince certain Republicans to vote for impeachment in the Senate. If you want to impeach a president, you have to get the votes in the House and the Senate. As we know, uh, Bill Clinton... President Clinton was impeached by the House, but not the Senate, so he didn't get booted from office. And that's a big talking point. People used to say Bill Clinton was impeached, and then people who don't know what they're talking about says, no, he's not, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's another story. They can get it done with the right evidence in the Senate. But that scenario would be very very bad for this country. And I'm not saying people would take up arms or do whatever. But there would be a Pandora's box opened that nobody on either side wants to see. It would be devastating for this country. You think we've got 
this country is torn along political lines now. Imagine them impeaching a president who has the economy booming, who is saving money, who's trying to keep this country safe, who's restructuring trade deals that have damaged the American worker year after year, decade after decade, that that president gets impeached over something that no other president would be impeached over. That would be World War III within our own country. It's something I personally don't want to see. I don't want to see a revolution of that sort. I would rather us do it much more civilly and just get to a point in this country where we all want the best for this country and we're not manipulated by politicians. Because that's where this all starts. This all starts with manipulation. And those on the left that are committed to the Democrat Party are being manipulated into what's good for this country and what's not. Throw out social issues, throw out abortion, throw out all this other stuff. All these other things that that people don't agree on for um, whatever reason, religious reasons and and whatever else. That's going to be an age-old argument between Democrats and Republicans. But just the overview of what is best for this country as a whole, for the economy, for border security... For the American worker, for for jobs, for for people, uh, just anything that affects anybody and everybody in their regular day-to-day life. If we can get to a point where we can all just collectively agree on that, we wouldn't be in the position we are today as a society. Unfortunately, people on the left allowed their politicians to manipulate them and tell them all the things that are going right in this country right now are actually bad. You watched Nancy Pelosi in the White House last week say that people are losing their jobs at an astounding rate, that the stock market is crashing and everything is so horrible, right there in front of the president, right there in front of the vice president and all the cameras. When we all know unemployment's at record lows, the stock market's doing just fine. It goes down and it goes back up. It adjusts itself. It's normal. It's always happened. But it's doing fantastic right now. But she has the audacity to get up there and say those things. Because that's what she does every single day. She's speaking to her base convincing them day after day of how horrible this country, how, how bad things are in this country. And there are people listening to her, people with jobs that are sitting pretty, especially very wealthy people, the elite, that say, man, yeah, I'm okay right now. I've got money and I've got a $2 million house and, and, and drive a nice car and all that, but the rest of the country... You heard what Nancy said. The rest of the country is hurting. We got to do something about it. We got to stop Donald Trump from damaging these people. And that's exactly what's going on. 
I'm going to take one more break. We'll come back on the other side. 646-668-2714. 646-668-2714. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and over the line show.com. Hook it up. Hook it up. Hook it up. Y'all hang tight. We'll be back. build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall.
some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. No taxes for our jobs. The money we are growing. Instead of ATMs, we send it home with Western Union. I will build a great wall, but nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Back with you over the line, the Bobcast, over the line show.com. 646-668-2714. Christmas is coming up, y'all. It's the 17th. And Christmas is uh what day is Christmas? Christmas, as we call it around here. Let's see. Let me pull up my calendar. A week from tomorrow. Holy moly. Y'all want to know how much Christmas shopping I've got done? Zero. I ain't done not near one bit of Christmas shopping. I'm going to try and do that tonight or tomorrow, though. I got to figure it out quick. I ain't like y'all. I don't get on top of it. Maybe y'all should uh, call me up and give me... Christmas gift ideas. Tell me what I should buy. Or tweet me. At Andrew McLean who. Tell me what to buy P. Diddy. I got some ideas, but I don't know. Oh, and today uh, I'm getting our first official over-the-line t-shirt. We're going to check that bad boy out and uh, hopefully be putting those on the website either today or tomorrow or sometime. I don't know. We're going to hook that up and uh, make it available for you guys to get your hands on. Uh, that will have coffee cups, tumblers, different kinds of t-shirts. I think we're going to throw a t-shirt out there that just says, hey, now across the front. Then over the line on the back or something. I don't know. I got so much to do. I can't even keep up with it. Can't even keep up with it. Anyway, again, 646-668-2714, 646-668-2714, over the line show.com. Make sure you hook that up. Elizabeth Warren has finally admitted that she is not a person of color. That's right. After decades of claiming she was Native American, she's finally given it up. I'm just kidding. I, I think this was uh <laughs> I think this was kind of um 
taken out of context, but there were. I saw Breitbart reported that uh, Elizabeth Warren was forced to admit that she's not a person of color, but I, I think what she meant was that she is not a black person. I still think she thinks. She is Native American. She was speaking at Morgan State University, which is historically black college. Um, she said, as a country, we need to stop pretending like the same doors are open for everyone. Because they don't. I'm not a person of color, and I haven't lived your life or experienced anything like the subtle prejudice or more overt harm that you may have experienced just because of the color of your skin. Although it doesn't sound like uh, she is admitting to be white, but uh, whatever. Anyway, she said those words. I'm not a person of color, but I still think she thinks she's a Native American. The bigger part, uh, the bigger takeaway of this is... The victimhood mentality that Democrats continue to spew on, in particular, African Americans, telling them that they are less than or they will not be able to succeed because of the color of their skin. I don't know about you, but that seems racist to me. If you tell somebody, if if I walk up to a black man on the street and I say, hey, you know, I hate to break this to you, man, I don't know what you're trying to do in life, but you're probably not going to do it. Well, why is that? Well, because you're black, cuz. You know black people can't succeed. You might as well hang it up. You might as well get on welfare, food stamps, live off the government, because you can't succeed. You're a black man. You won't get the opportunities, and you you definitely can't work your way up. You, because of the color of your skin, you're not going to be able to get a job and get after it and succeed. You're just not, because you're black. Sorry. Hang it up. Hang it up. This is the mentality that Democrats want their constituents to have. First of all, and this is a different debate, but they feel like they own African Americans. They are modern-day slave owners. That's right. Democrats are modern-day slave owners. They feel like they own black people. Andrew, you can't say that. That's, that's awful. That's insensitive. You can't say stuff like that. Democrats are modern-day slave owners. They are. They really are. When you feel like you own a person's, a person's ideology, when you feel like you own a, a person in the sense of you tell them how they are able to think, or what to think, or how to believe, that shows ownership of them in some form or fashion. Maybe you're not uh, forcing them to live on a plantation, unless you want to look, look at it from the angle of, you're telling them they can't get ahead in life, so they need to rely on the government, 
and then you force them into Section 8 housing, public housing, and then you could maybe call that a plantation. Think about it. And people of all colors live in public housing. There's no doubt about that. But if you tell people you can't get ahead in life because of the color of your skin, you can't get ahead in life because you're black, so rely on us. We're going to give you health care. We're going to cut you a check each week, and we're going to provide you a place to live right in this little little area in the inner city. We got you apartments, and we're just going to house you, and we're going to take care of you. But you got to think the way we tell you to think. You got to do what we tell you to do. What does that sound like? If you know your history, and you know the history of slavery, and what happened on those plantations, it's mirror images. There's no labor involved. There's no forced labor out in the fields picking cotton and whatever else. But it's almost a mirror image of what we see Democrats doing today. It's exactly what they're doing. And then, and then on the other side of that token, look at what they do to those in the African American community that do not line up with how they are told to believe. Look at Kanye West. Look at Candace Owens. Look at any prominent black man or woman, Ben Carson, Sheriff David Clark. The list goes on and on. Look at those people and see how they're treated. Kanye West is the most uh, the most recent example But if you go back into the days of slavery or into the days of of just the Civil Rights era, a time much more recent, what did they do to African Americans that tried to do for themselves or that tried to be outspoken or tried to have a different political view. They were harassed, they were threatened, they were intimidated into being silenced. All from Democrats. In those days when an African American decided to be a part of a any given Republican's campaign or to to go try to spread the word about a Republican candidate during the Civil Rights era. They would be beaten, they would be intimidated, and they would be forced into silence by Democrats. It's how the KKK was formed. This KKK was formed to scare these people into silence. To scare black people into silence that dared get out and try to campaign for Republicans. That dared try to go out and vote for Republicans. Or do anything 
to support that opposing party. It's what it was created for. And what's going on now? History repeats itself again. Black people dare speak out against the Democratic Party. Call them for what they are, which is a plantation. The media then smears them. Democrat politicians smear them, call them crazy, call them mentally ill, and then force them into silence. Doesn't always work, but that's what they're doing because it's what they've always done. It's what they know. History always repeats itself. And it's doing it again here. I don't know how I got to that from talking about Elizabeth Warren, but I did. Oh yeah, she was preaching victimhood. What else? What other kind of intolerance can I find today? Oh, how about Ilhan Omar? You know who she is. Ilhan Omar is uh, the first Muslim woman elected to Congress along with uh, fellow Democrat Rashida Rashida Tlaib, Tlaib, however you say her name. They were just elected, getting ready to take office in the House. They were elected in Minnesota. During um, the... This scuffle, if you will, between Pelosi, Schumer, and Donald Trump in the White House, Mike Pence was sitting beside the president. And he was intently listening to the debate between the three. There was a screen grab, a picture taken, of Mike Pence sitting there as he blinked with his eyes closed. Where it looks like he's sitting there with his eyes closed and really he he was not. He was... There was a picture taken while he blinked. This Ilhan Omar, first Muslim woman elected to Congress from Minnesota, takes that picture of Mike Pence with his eyes closed during that meeting and simply tweets, Jesus, take the wheel. Now, what is she implying? First of all, she's implying that Mike Pence is nervous about Trump and and he's just scared to death what Trump's going to do so he's just closing his eyes and saying Lord Jesus help us all but I got to imagine and maybe this is just me maybe I'm cynical but I got to imagine that people take offense to this is there anything wrong with a Muslim woman being elected to uh, Congress no not unless she's super Muslim and believes in Sharia law and I don't really put all that past her just yet. But no, there's nothing wrong with that. But for someone who has demanded respect for her and her religion and her religious beliefs to then turn around and seemingly mock the vice president for his Christian faith, because as you know, we can uh, we can mock Christians and we can make fun of believers of Christ, but if it comes to a Muslim, then that's off limits. 
You can make fun of Jews, you can make fun of Christians, but not Muslims. That's not fair. You can't do that. That's a, that is a literal death sentence in the sense of your career will be no more if you make fun of a Muslim. So not only did conservatives get upset by this, but even some of her own supporters got upset by this. One tweeting, I don't like Pence and I've always liked you, but it's not cool to mock someone over their religion. You should really remove this post. You are above stuff like this, and honestly, I've lost some respect for you. Someone else tweeted another example of the left's vaunted tolerance. I'm not impressed. Another tweet, imagine the national media meltdown if a Christian politician made fun of a Muslim like this. Ilhan Omar offered no explanation as to her intentions of this tweet. She just left it. But not everybody was against it. You had uh, writer Ray Johnson from ChicagoNow.com that thought it was absolutely hilarious. He wrote, Representative Omar tweeted out a photo of Vice President Pence sitting with his eyes closed with the caption, Jesus, take the wheel. I thought that was really funny, and the reason it was funny was that it was probably true. I don't believe that Representative Omar meant anything anti-Christian about it, and if I was sitting in there, I would have probably been thinking that same thing and praying that we can all take a deep breath and recognize the humor in the world and not take everything as a personal attack or that our fellow Americans are our enemies. Hmm. Well then, why is making fun of Muslims off limits? I'm okay with it. If we can all make fun of stereotypes and make fun of people and, and, and have the kind of humor that we once were able to have, I think we would all be better off. But we've all become so oversensitive to anything and everything, to certain things are off limits. But then when you want to go out and you want to make fun of somebody else for something, you feel like you should be able to do it because you've got protections. You've got protections as a Muslim. You've got protections as a, as, as a black person. You've got protections as a transgender, whatever. That you can make fun of them, but they can't make fun of you. The good old days is when everybody could make fun of everybody. When comedians could make gay jokes and not be ruined by it. But now we're at a point where a comedian made a gay joke back when it was okay, and now, ten years later, they're being ruined by it because people find it offensive now when they didn't find it offensive back then. Just like Kevin Hart hosting the Oscars or whatever it was. He was ready to go. Ready to go, ready to host this thing, and then somebody said, oh, one of the stand-up routines, he said something about gay people. We can't allow him to do that. Stereotypes are some of the funniest jokes you can make. And that's in my humble opinion. They're hilarious. Whether they're about white people or Mexicans 
or black people or Jewish people or, or, or Muslim people or whoever. They're funny. They're funny. That's, that's part of comedy. But we've gotten to a point where nothing is sacred anymore. Nothing is sacred. That's where we are today. And as a society, if we don't get back to a place where we're less sensitive, we've got thicker skin, we will continue to go downhill day after day, year after year, and it won't get any better. Six four six 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 eight twenty seven fourteen. Six four six 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 eight twenty seven fourteen. Over the line show dot com. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and over the line on Facebook. Make sure you go give us a like. Also follow us on YouTube. Over the line is the channel name subscribe show some love we uh we we're working on getting our youtube stuff figured out we we haven't been able to go live and put together the podcast on the recorded version so right now we're only live on blog talk radio but make sure you tell your friends about it and uh we'll put the link out there after the show if you want to go back and listen to this episode quick break back after this Oppresses millions, so just quiet down a bit. Come join me in gender studies, come get a useless degree. And when you make garbage money, take no responsibility. Come be PC, come be PC. Things are so splendid when you're offended, take it from me. We're fighting for progress, can't you see? Silencing all who might disagree So respectfully be a cry bully Come be PC Come join us in our safe spaces Our shelters from points of view And maybe on rare occasions We'll let you think something new But if we deem your thoughts toxic We might have to shut you down And if you critique our logic Better use our preferred pronouns Come be PC Come be PC Our low-key racism is heroism Obviously 
let's all fight for the little guy From our parents' mansions online Come join our prison, look what you're missing Come be PC Come be PC We're a collective, varied perspectives must go unseen Different opinions are okay As long as they're different in the same way Come join our cult, it's not difficult Oh, come be PC Over the line, overthelineshow.com, 646-668-2714, Also, at Andrew McLean Who on the Twitter. If you want to email the show... Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com As we are uh, putting advertisers together for this podcast, you can email uh, there or you can email Trisha Caswell at gmail.com That's my girl hooking me up on that front. So she's handling a lot of that business as well and I appreciate her uh, doing that most Definitely. Um, Let me move on to this as we wrap up this edition of Over the Line. Uh, 
uh, on the gun control front, I'm noticing some moves being made by certain cities and certain states, and I don't know if this is because they're emboldened by the House of Representatives being under Democrat control in the coming year. But they're making moves on gun control, like Pittsburgh Mayor uh, William Peduto. Peduto, I guess is how you say his name. This guy is, is pushing firearm confiscation orders, bans on commonly owned semi-automatic firearms and high-capacity magazines for some reason. Now, this is following, obviously, the October 27th attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue, the gun-free and security-free Tree of Life Synagogue. Uh, This guy voices opposition to to hiring armed guards to protect uh, congregants of the church. Eleven innocent people killed when this gunman enters the synagogue and no one could shoot back, but he's still opposed to allowing these people to protect themselves. But his solution, on the other hand, is to create gun confiscation orders to ban commonly owned semi-automatic firearms and ban these high-capacity magazines and bump stocks. There are two problems with these proposals. One is they would not prevent another synagogue attack from occurring because uh, the biggest issue in a mass shooting is not the type of gun used, but the amount of time the attacker has to... Uh, shoot people. For example, while the Democrat Party and, and gun control groups focused on the type of gun used in the Parkland shooting, they overlooked the fact that the Parkland gunman has so much time that he was able to pause five times and reload during the attack. There was no pressure because no one could shoot back. He had all the time in the world. And the Broward County deputies would not even go into the building. He could shoot and kill as many people as he wanted. And no one could do a thing. But even on December 14th in 2012, the Sandy Hook attacker had over nine minutes without any sort of resistance when He struck at a gun-free school. With that kind of time in a gun-free scenario, an attacker with with a five-shot revolver and a pocket full of bullets could kill a a gut-wrenching number of innocent people. The second problem with this guy's argument, or this guy's gun control push, is, is Pennsylvania's preemption law. That law makes it illegal for uh, a a town or a city to pass gun controls that exceed the controls at the state level. The NRA published the text of this this preemptive law on Twitter and on their website, and it says, no country, I'm sorry, no county, municipality, or township may in any manner regulate the lawful ownership, possession, transfer, or transportation of firearms ammunition or ammunition components when carried or transported for purposes not prohibited prohibited by the laws of this commonwealth. But maybe he just doesn't know that. Maybe 
Maybe he's just not paying attention, but he's still pushing it. He's still pushing gun control in Pittsburgh after that tragedy. This is how Democrats think. They got a one-track mind. It's all they care about. All they care about is their agenda and not what's on the other side. And a little bit of good news, though, outside of gun control, Ohio has passed bills, or, or yeah, they, they actually passed a bill requiring greater food stamp oversight. Now, Democrats don't want food stamp oversight because they want as many people dependent on the government as possible. Um, the problem is, is the, the reason for food stamp oversight is because so many people don't necessarily depend on that money. They just get it and use it on the side for whatever. And then they have these stores, gas stations, whatever, that are willing to basically cash their EBT, cash their food stamp cards, and give them money back. Because they've already got their food and whatever, and, and if they got a food stamp card, they can actually cash out. And then they got a little extra money on the side. They got some beer money, some weed money, whatever. And that happens all over the country. It happens here in Birmingham. It happens in your city. It happens all over the country. And since the new administration came in, we've been busting people on food stamp fraud left and right. Not necessarily people that are committing the act, but the people that are enabling it, the store owners, committing millions and millions and millions of dollars in food stamp fraud, your taxpayer dollars. So Ohio lawmakers go and pass a bill this week that would allow the state to have greater oversight over food stamp recipients. So here's how it breaks down. House Bill 119, which passed the Ohio Senate on Wednesday last week in the, uh, in the Ohio House on Thursday, it would allow state officials to review the eligibility of people receiving benefits through the SNAP program and doing that every three months instead of every year like they currently do. This legislation also allows the state to provide the same oversight to Medicaid recipients. So one of the bill's supporters, Senator Robert McCauley, state senator, said the administration, I'm sorry, said the state administrators would be able to use data already available to them to verify users' eligibility for the program. They'll simply take the data that's available to them at their fingertips through various databases and otherwise and use that data to basically cross-check verification. The recipients themselves will have no idea this is going on, and if there are red flags that do arise, then the recipients will be provided a notice and an opportunity to be heard and explain why they might, why there might have been a change of circumstances. This should be standard across the board for every state, for every food stamp recipient. Every single one. We want, as taxpayers, as Americans, as compassionate people... We want to provide people with the money they need to put food on their table when they fall on hard times, when their economic circumstances are at rock bottom, 
We want to help those people. We're all compassionate. Republicans and Democrats, libertarians, whatever. We're compassionate. We want to help those people. But we don't want to waste the money that could be helping people on people that don't need it and people that are committing this food stamp fraud. You want to talk, and Democrats obviously are opposed to this, but you want to talk about wasting money for a border wall that actually provides safety for this country that that any other country would do in a heartbeat? Yet you don't care about the fraud and the billions of dollars being wasted on food stamps? When they're not even going to the people that actually need it. I just saw a story in Georgia. Where a store owner. And 10 of his customers. Have pleaded guilty to food stamp fraud. The Justice Department announced last week. That Garland Alford who was 75 years old pleaded guilty to two counts of food stamp fraud for allowing customers to trade SNAP benefits for cash or for items not eligible to be purchased with food stamps. Liquor, cigarettes, whatever. Alford used to be the co-owner of a convenience store called Lake Flea Market and FDR Grocery, located south of Donaldsville, Donaldsonville, where he carried out the scheme. Ten of Alford's customers also admitted to taking part in the scheme, each pleading guilty to one count of illegally transferring food stamp benefits. I'll just read their names aloud so I can shame them for what they've done. Jeannie Sheffield, 34, of Colquitt, Georgia. Kanisha Wooten, who's 23, of Bainbridge, Georgia. Wendy Mitchell Prickett, 44, of Nashville. Oh, Wendy Prickett. Antonio Gardner, 35, of Donaldson, Georgia. Donaldsonville, Georgia. Victoria Henry, 47, of Donaldsonville. Jennifer Johnson, 30, of Donaldsonville. Renee Kimball, 41. Crystal Maxwell, 36. Rosanna Rope, 33, and Kayla Wallace, 26-year-old, from Donaldsonville, Georgia. How about that? Bunch of uh, food stamp welfare scamming folks. White trash wasting the taxpayers' dollars. For shame. Now, speaking of scams, as you know, a Texas federal judge struck down uh, a, 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 an order or a, a, there was a case on Obamacare and whether or not Obamacare was constitutional. Now, this is something we don't see very often because we're always hearing from left-wing judges that have turned activist and they go out and they rule that anything that Trump has done is unconstitutional, even if it is constitutional and all this kind of stuff. This is on the other side, where this Texas judge rightly says Obamacare is unconstitutional, strikes it down, and, of course, Republicans are rejoicing, Democrats are irate, 
it really changes nothing and will have to make its way to the Supreme Court, where I don't necessarily have a lot of faith that anything will change there. But that's something to keep an eye on. That's something we'll keep an eye on and keep you guys informed on. Uh, but I saw last week the the deadline for signing up for Obamacare was December 15th. And I noticed Barack Obama tweeted out a, uh, a video encouraging young people to get out and sign up for health care that could be less than your cell phone bill. That's what they use. They will say less than your cell phone bill. My question is, is why does why do, why do Democrats, why does Obama think that uh, young people can afford an extra 50 to $100 a month if things are so bad right now? The economy is so bad, people are losing their jobs. Well, what makes you think that they can afford it? No wonder they're not signing up. No wonder Obamacare is plummeting. Anyway, let me play you this little ditty from Barack Obama. It's actually, it's actually pretty funny. Not because he makes it funny. It's just funny to hear him harp on his signature legislation that's being dismantled by the day. Hi, everybody. Well, it is that time of year again. The time my team tries to get me to reference some viral trend or otherwise make a fool out of myself in the name of encouraging more young people to sign up for health insurance. But not this year. You know why? Because this year is different. Young people have stepped up like never before. On campuses, at the voting booth, and at the doors of power. And frankly, I think you've proven that you don't need to see me taking jump shots or sitting between a couple of forest plants in order to know it's important to have health insurance in case, God forbid, you get really sick or hurt yourself next year. You don't need me to tell you to get health insurance. Well, they obviously need somebody to tell them because enrollment is actually on the decline and it missed the mark by 500,000 compared to last year. <laughs> Nobody's buying into Obamacare. I wonder why. So this year, I'm giving it to you straight. Sign up for health insurance at healthcare.gov before the deadline on December 15th. You can do it right now. And most folks can find coverage for $50 to $100 per month. That's probably less than your cell phone bill. Mm. One more time. If you need But wait, we ain't got no jobs. Nancy said we're all uh, without jobs and we're all broke and we can't pay our bills. I can't pay for that. Health insurance for 2019. Sign up for it right now at healthcare.gov. You know what's funny is the fact that he's he's able to get all that out and not fumble and bumble all over himself. You know, because when he talks, and you know, I'm not making fun of him, or maybe I am. I don't know. But when he's talking on the fly, he's he's uh 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 uh. But when he's reading off the teleprompter, he's Mr. Cool Guy, and he's got it down. He's reading that teleprompter hard on this commercial. Anyway, there's your buddy Obama telling you you need to sign up for uh uh Obamacare. Especially you young people, because nobody else is doing it, apparently.
All right, I'm going to take one more break before we roll up out of here. We'll come back on the other side, give you guys what you need to know, and keep on rolling. 646-668-2714 is the number. 646-668-2714. Overthelineshow.com. Remember, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Let me actually, I'll tell you right now. We're available on Anchor, Anchor.fm. You can download that app and listen to the show from there. You can listen to us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and soon to be TuneIn Radio. All right there for you. Check it out. Take us wherever you go. Download the podcast. You don't have to use your data. Just download that puppy. And you can have us on the go. Quick break. More show coming up.
Over the Line show, Over the Line, the podcast. Andrew McLean hanging out with you. 646-668-2714. Overthelineshow.com. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and Over the Line on Facebook. Also, Over the Line on YouTube's. Make sure you check all of that stuff out. About to get out of here, but first, let's try the phone lines and see just what happens. I don't do the phone lines often, so it's kind of hard for me to, to get it right. If I screw this up, that's uh, that's on me. Over to the phones. Who do we got? Hey, Andrew. It's Murph. Hey now, what's up, Murph? Oh, uh, just uh, out here cruising around on what is beginning to look like a better day. Uh, the fog has burned off. Yeah, it has been absolutely nasty. As y'all know, I spend my time on the roads, and I feel like it has rained every day for a month. And uh, from what it's I can like, tell, it looks it's better. Like we're in, it's like like we're in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. Uh, just without all the crazy environmental laws. Uh, yeah, earlier you were talking about basically, you know, modern-day slavery, so to speak, through social welfare programs. And and that's – I totally agree with you on that. But I would add this to it because the flip side of that coin is those of us who are not on all those government programs are paying for them. And so we – uh, and you know, in the middle class, so to speak, are foot are footing the bill for this whole thing. So we're technically right along with them in bondage because if we, you know, what happens to us if we quit paying taxes? Oh, we go to jail, right? Or, or they come and take our homes, and then all of a sudden we do have to get on that government housing stuff. So you know, it's it, there's two sides to the same coin, and they're both just as bad. Yeah, most people are are in a crampy situation in the first place because of what taxes do to their paycheck. I mean, people people got to pay an arm and a leg for health care. They got, you know, there's there's dads out there that have to pay child support, and then the, their taxes get cut and all this kind of stuff, and they're left with nothing on payday, and they're having to to scramble around to 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 make ends meet to put food on the table to do anything while washington just allows anybody and everybody to to take advantage of the money that they've taken from us that we really needed and do whatever they they want with it absolutely and that you know uh federal loans of any type too Um, i mean i've got a mortgage i have no student loans thankfully my wife does not either but I've got a mortgage that is uh, FDIC approved, which means when the government wants to call in the, the loan, they can call it in whether I want them to or not until I get it paid off. Right. So, you know, if you've got student loans, same thing. So they really, the elites, the upper echelons, and it's not even a racism issue. It's an elitism issue. They sit up there at the very top and pretend like all of this belongs to them. and They're just... Uh, use it, so to speak. I mean, they're not God, even though they think they are. Right. But, you know, that's... 
So pay off all your debts, get healthy, and you'll be good. I think if you just look over time and, and try to look at how things like that were constructed, how things were put together, that that, that was the mindset. That this, this idea of Democrats wanting to control the lives of people, or just politicians in general wanting to control the lives of people, is not a new concept. You can go back to the days of of FDR and uh, even maybe even before that and yep. watch the structure of this government building itself in a manner that will make the American people rely on them more and more. Thus, they are able to dictate how the lives of American people are conducted, they, they dictate how society, what society evol evolves into. That is correct. I mean, that's, you know, go back and look at the, the whole, uh, well, the caste system over in England, even up to the point when we broke away, there was a lot of, lot of lords, so to speak, uh, you know, the wealthy people back in the UK, not just the king, but a lot of them lost a lot of money because suddenly their property was not their property anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it just carried over from the old world, so to speak. And uh, like I said, you get you get your debts paid off, get yourself healthy, and those are the two top things you could do to be a free person. And that's it. And get off the grid like Heath. There you go. Stay off the grid. I'll holler at you later, Andrew. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks, Murph. Appreciate you, buddy. There's my man, Murph. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, he, Murph brought up the U.K. and, and kind of how the, their government – conducted itself before some of us branched off and and came over to the to the new country the way society is heading in the UK is i think and and you may be able to take this and say well whatever happens over there ends up making its way over here to some extent and i think that's true and it may even be true vice versa as well but progressively over in the UK, on the progressive end of things, they have schools now that are ordering teachers to teach eight-year-olds that boys can have periods too. That having a period knows no gender. This is, these are schools in Brighton that have been ordered to teach children as young as eight that people of all genders can have periods as well as to install sanitary waste disposal units in every toilet room. These instructions were included in guidelines published by uh, the local council earlier this month on, quote, taking a period positive approach in Brighton and Hove schools. And this asserts that there is more work to do across all settings to prevent and reduce stigma related to periods and talking about periods. The only talk about periods we did when I was in school was what period it, it was, like third or fourth period. We didn't have to worry about a discussion of whether or not boys have periods. 
Under the subheading key messages, teachers are told to stress to pupils that trans boys and men and non-binary people may have periods. As well as that periods are something to celebrate, and we can see this in ceremonies and celebrations across the world. Period celebrations? I, 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 don't, I don't know personally what it's like to have a period. I mean, according to these people, maybe I will one day. But from a male's perspective, I don't know that a period is anything to celebrate. Periods are notorious for actually causing pain and strife for both the male and the female. For the female, she's in pain, and she's cranky, and angry, and hates the world. For the male, the female takes that out on him. So, do periods affect people of all genders? Of course it does. But people of all genders do not have periods. At least that's what we used to think, not anymore. Here's an excerpt from these new guidelines. Quote, Language and learning about periods must be inclusive of all genders, cultures, faiths, and sexual orientations. For example, girls and women and others who have periods. Uh, The document also tells schools to ensure that bins for used period products are provided in all toilets from key stage 2, which is pupils aged between 7 and 11. All pupils and students from year 4, which is 8-year-olds, receive age and development-appropriate period education within a planned program of relationships and sex education. (laughs) Wow! Okay, Uh, in addition to this... The document demands that schools also take a cross-curricular approach to learning about periods, particularly in science and PSHE, but also in media studies, PE, maths, graphics, and textiles. Okay. Now, the Brighton and Hove City Council said about this when they were commenting on it, By encouraging effective education on menstruation and puberty, we hope to reduce stigma and ensure no child or young person feels shame in asking for period products inside or outside of school if they need them. We believe it's important for all genders to be able to learn and talk about menstruation together. Our approach recognizes the fact that some people who have periods are trans or non-binary. To take a term from our friends in the UK, this concept is bloody ridiculous. So in order to promote a, an abolishment of the stigma, we have to put tampons and pads in the men's restrooms. Or do we even have men's restrooms anymore? Okay, let's say we do. We literally are putting tampons in the boys' bathroom. 
because there may be, there may be a girl who identifies as a boy that wants to go in the boy's restroom that might be on her period. That might be menstruating. That's where we're at today. Oh, that's where they're at. That's on its way over here. You can go ahead and uh, uh, guarantee yourself that. And when you're dealing with 7 to 11 years old, year olds, surely you wouldn't have a, a young girl going into the boy's bathroom because she claims she's a boy and being curious and trying to look at other boys while they're using the restroom. That would never happen. No, never. But there you go. At least she'll have her pads. Even the British Army has ditched gender-specific titles like riflemen. <laughs> so it's went, it's gone from their schools to their military, which nothing toughens up a, a military like saying, hey, we get offended by terms like riflemen. You know the enemy's going to be scared of you once they hear that. Oh, Lord. Don't call them riflemen. That's offensive. Speaking of transgender, though, there's a lot of transgender stuff out there. There's uh, Spain's... Spain uh, has a transgender uh, beauty pageant contestant that is the first transgender the first transgender woman to compete in the Miss Universe pageant. So for any of those any, any of those of you that, that follow the Miss Universe pageant, you will now have to enjoy the very first transgender contestant coming from Spain. Boy, isn't progressive isn't isn't liberalism just great? Where we can all hold hands and suffer from this mental disease together. It's just fantastic. I just love it. I love it so much. Nothing nothing screams inclusivity like confusing children and letting men compete in bathing suit competitions with women. I don't know what we would do without all that. It's just fantastic. It is Over the Line show, your Monday edition, December 17th, 2018. We are out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new show. Remember, you can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and plenty of other platforms. You can check out all of those platforms if you go to anchor.fm. Go to anchor.fm, search for Over the Line, and it's all right there for you. So go to your favorite platform, whether that is Spotify or whether that's Apple Podcasts or whatever. Subscribe to the channel from there. And then you got us wherever you go. Download it, stream it, whatever you want to do. OverTheLineShow.com also. Got some merchandise coming up there soon. You're going to want to check that out and get ready for that. Also, plenty of other things we'll be putting up there. We'll be back on YouTube soon as well, as soon as we get a few bugs worked out on that end. Y'all have a fantastic day. And until next time, see you guys.